Welcome to Revival Recap. I'm Seth Dahl here with Pastor Eddie Tate, who spoke a couple weeks back and announced our men's ministry that is being started, Bethel Men's. So we're really excited about that. But we're going to talk a little bit about his message, just a couple of points. If you haven't seen it, I need to be honest. Like It was when you showed the video of the men's ministry, I was like, wow, that is a strong video carrying a very strong vision Mm -hmm. and then from there you just shared a lot of your message from there kind of went from there and just built and i was like this is absolutely incredible so i want to encourage you go watch it watch the video for bethel men's uh watch eddie's heart in that and what he's building and it's all starts tonight yeah so i don't know when you're watching this but when we're talking it starts tonight so by the time you see this, Bethel Men's Ministry will already be going. Uh, if you're a man, you need to be involved. This is going to be powerful. Yep. And so we're just going to recap a couple of the things Eddie talked about. And um, it's going to be good. <laughs> so this was the first time you actually preached a sermon in a long time. In a long time. Because normally you get in to preach and the Lord comes and you don't preach. Yep. You let him do the talking. I let him. I, and he let you do the talking. He let me do the He, he must have. Felt I was built up enough that I had something to share. (laughs) He wanted you to share about the men's ministry, I think. Um, I want to talk about one of the first things you said. You said, our sins aren't just forgiven. They are forgotten. Mm -hmm. And he keeps no record of those things. Right. Man, yeah. You know, so many times we spend our lives reflecting back on where we were and if we if we err, you know, we're human. We err. And it's by his grace and his mercy that we can come to him and he forgives us again and again. But we actually have the attachment to those errors and we attach them to what we remember we've done in the past. Yeah. But he's already forgiven and it's clear in the Bible. He doesn't just forgive. It, it's removed as far as the east from the west. There is no more record yeah. of those things. So we come with this, oh, I've done it again. He's like... Wait, what are you talking about? I really like that. Like, again. Right. Where he's like, I forgot everything you've... Yeah, this this is the first time as a purified son that you've actually done this thing. Why are you bringing something that no longer exists to the table? And that's where the enemy gets his foothold. Yeah. And the Bible was clear that, you know, he he cannot influence our present or future. Yeah. But that left out the past. So the only thing the enemy truly has is the ability to remind us of something that once was, but God's like, that doesn't exist in my heart, yeah. in my mind. It exists in his ability to keep a hold on you. Yeah. I want to talk about the verse you used in just a second, but if you're watching and you're like, where is that? It's Hebrews eight twelve and 13 says, he remembers our sins no more. Mm. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that says he's given us the ministry of reconciliation yep. and the word of reconciliation that he's not counting people's sins against him. It's 1 Corinthians 13, love keeps no record of wrongs. It's Colossians chapter 2 or 3, I believe, that says he took the record of, of handwriting against us and nailed it to the cross. So it's, it's all throughout the Bible. Yep. It's all throughout the New Testament. But there's some verses for you. But you brought up the Romans 8, 38, and 39, where it says things present and, and things future. future. There's a lot of other stuff in there. But 
the things present and future cannot separate us from the love of God. But there's no past in there. Right. There's present and future. And so you talked about what the devil does to try to separate us, not just mess us up, not just jack us up, but actually separate us from an awareness of God's love. Would you and talk that's what about it is. It's, it's truly the awareness because we cannot be separated from it, present or future. So what he does is he tries to get our attention turned off of God back to something that no longer exists in God's eyes, but it exists in our memories. And once we actually start to go introspective of who we were or the things we've done, we lose sight of God in that moment. Now, he yeah. is not separated. We've never lost relationship with him, yeah. but we begin to feel isolated and separated wow. because our awareness of his presence is faded by the reflection of our past which yeah. he doesn't see i mean if i turn around and look over there i can't see you i'm doesn't still mean here. you're not there exactly yeah exactly i think as you're talking i'm like man this is if if the cross is the demonstration of god's love romans 5 8 that god demonstrated his own love for us in this that while we were still sinners christ died for us right what the enemy tries to do Went by turning us to our past is to go, let me make you live and act and think like the cross never happened for you. Because right. it separates you from the awareness of God's love, which it's demonstrating the cross. Hopefully I'm not rambling too much. But he's trying to get you to act like the cross never happened. Well, and what he's doing is he's trying to put you back on the other side of the cross. Yeah. Because the reality is that when your yeah, life focuses on. towards the cross, like, I need this to be something. God's like, wait, I've already taken care of that. You're already what I've declared you to be. The enemy says, oh, but you need this to be that. So he keeps us on the other side of the crosses. I need to get there. I need to get there. And God's like, would you walk from the place that I actually took care of everything? Walk from that into the fullness of your identity, yeah. not trying to figure out your identity yeah. as if it never happened. So Come the on. enemy just tries to take us to the other side of the cross, which once we actually do that, once again, we've turned our focus away from what was given, what he's done, who he is, and we've said, yeah, but I still need this. God's like, wait, you don't need anything that I've already taken care of. So he gets you to perform for something that's already done. Yep. Religion. Yep, he exactly. takes you out of Jesus into religion Yeah. by doing this. Yep. Okay, so this is really good to transition into this. The last part. I'm going to leave the middle out because you need to go watch the whole entire <laughs> message. It's loaded, 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 loaded. But one of the things that will transition us to the end, you said um, a lot of times people hear this type of thing and they interpret it to be, well, now I just do whatever. Oh, I yeah. just keep sinning. And I, I just keep going. Over, yeah. You touched on it. I'd like you to touch on that again because uh, it, it connects us to the thought that you ended with almost where you said, a lot of people are asking God what he will tolerate rather than asking him what he desires. And I think those two, hey, he's not keeping track of our sins. He's not upset with us. He forgot those. Uh, but it doesn't mean you just go sin, sin, sin. Right. And you don't go ask God, what will you tolerate? Where can I toe the line? You ask God, what do you actually desire? Right. Well, and like That's what it's supposed to create in us. And what it does is who are you partnering with? Are you partnering with the desire of God? Or desire of the devil. Because if you actually look at, oh, I can freely sin because of grace given, you're actually saying, enemy, I'm going to actually live in your dominion because I want to live a lifestyle that's unpleasing to God because he's so good, he'll forgive me. 
So what you're doing is you're attaching your heart. You need to say that again. You're attaching your heart and you're (laughs) attaching your life to the desires of the enemy to live a life that is separated because every time you make those choices, you actually turn and separate yourself from him because of his love, his grace, his mercy, because he's such a perfect father. He will always forgive us. But when we knowingly choose something that we know separates us from us for even a moment, we're actually using him as almost, it's that vending machine thing. It's like, oh, I can go to him, put in my forgiveness token, pull the lever, he forgives me, I'm good. But why wouldn't I want to live in a place where everything I do just is, is fulfilling? It's like it pleases him. Man, my father finds so much pleasure and joy in me just wanting to know his heart. I've, I've used this analogy many times in the past, but it's like I want to please my father. I don't want to live a relationship where I'm a robot to him. I, I've, I've used the analogy about my kids at Christmas. I don't want my, if I'm the father and I say, what would you like for Christmas? And they're like, what do you want? Whatever you want, dad. Yeah, but what are you, what's your heart's desire? What do you want? Whatever you want, father. It's like, wait a minute. My pleasure comes in knowing your heart's desire. I'm fulfilled as a father by actually giving you your heart's desire. Come on. Now that's because your heart's desire is tuned into you're trying to please me. So I, in turn, am pleasing you. And it's this, it's this, beautiful, this beautiful relationship that just continues. As I seek out, you know, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Yeah. As I actually turn my affections and attention to him and know my heart's desires actually become more known, which means he can actually do those things in my life, which fulfills my heart's desires. Yeah. And it also pleases him. But when I say, ooh, I can get away with this because I know... I know he'll forgive me if I do. I'm actually not attached to his heart. I'm attached to the function of his forgiveness, not the love that comes with it. Man, this is good. Um, One more thing you said around this is a lot of times we push. You talked about worship. You talked about the Bible. You you talked about people in our Mm -hmm. lives. And you said a lot of times we end up pushing away the things or the people, so like we won't read the Bible because it might tell us what he wants. <laughs> we won't surround ourselves with certain friends because they might remind us what he wants. They mm-hmm. might call us up to live higher, Yeah. which I think you started in this great place, and then the whole time you're just calling everyone higher, calling everyone higher, calling everyone higher, and you're, you said a lot of times we push that stuff away rather than pull it close. Yeah. Well, it's the comfort, you know. God loves us. God loves us exactly where we're at. But he loves us enough not to leave us there. And he's, he's putting people, things, opportunities, choices in our lives to allow us to actually choose to go higher. You know, one of the things that I struggled with in the Bible when I first started reading it is people were like, God will never tempt you. And then I read where Jesus was led into the wilderness to totally be gonna go tempted there. I was just about to by go there the this, Holy yeah. Spirit. Uh-huh. It's like... Did God tempt him? No, but he led to him to a place the to be tempted. Yeah. The Holy Spirit led him to be tempted. Why? Because when we're given the opportunity to choose his heart and his love over what is being offered 
in the world and from the places that will turn our attention and affection from him, even for a moment, when we choose that, it's that delighting ourselves in the Lord. And all of a sudden, everything's opened up to us. Do you see yourself as a pauper that has access into a kingdom? Or do you see yourself as a prince that actually rules and reigns from that kingdom itself? Come on. And, and that choice is made daily. Sometimes by the minute. minute. yeah. I mean, I've got people, you, I've got friends in my life, Joaquin, Renee, my wife, my kids. I've got people all over my life that are constantly challenging me in aspects of my life. They're, they're, it's, and it was that, that refining. It's like, man, I'm going to cut this little, this dead leaf off. I've see a, I see a branch that is beautiful and growing and I'm going to snip it off. Why? Because it was for a season and there's something that needs to grow that's going to actually take me higher. Yeah. And I need those people in my life. Does it feel good all the time? No. But I need to live a life that is not satisfied with the comforts of where my life is. They're seeking out in hunger the desires to actually grow into who he's called me to be. Because if I ever hit a place of full satisfaction that I am who I'm supposed to be, I've actually lost sight of the promise that God's put in front of me. Because I am supposed to, I'm supposed to die with hunger and momentum in my life. I don't want to end my life going, I arrived, I can now die. I want to die chasing something. And what I want to do is I want to die chasing something and have enough people in my life that they actually grab the mantle when I go and say, we're going to see this thing through. Yeah. Because that's a generational impartation. When my life is so focused on myself that all I see is what I've accomplished, I've lost the sight of seeing God's fulfillment in my life. Because I actually believe that the fulfillment of God in my life doesn't end when I die. It actually is a part of it. Yeah. Because the fulfillment of my life is actually going to be generations. Which is one of the things you wrapped up with, and I think is a good way to just land this and seal this all up, is like, you ask the question, am I thinking generationally am yeah. i thinking 30 generations from now am i thinking how my life right now my choice to uh do to live a life that fulfills god's desires and and pursues god and's hungry and and the choices i make today am i thinking how is this going to affect right. 30 generations from now not right. just not just me my kids, my grandkids, my great-grandkids, and on and on and on. What am I thinking? I think that was a powerful thing you said. There was so much in there, but that whole deal where you're like, this isn't just for us right, right now. Yeah. This is, we are going to plants. We're planting seeds that someone else is going to reap a long time from now. Are we thinking that way? And I've been reading about sowing and reaping and the harvest and planting seeds. It's just been something in my heart for a while, but... It's like, you know, we read about it and we think about sowing a seed. But what seed are you sowing? Because there are seeds that I can plant a seed right now. You, you have a farm. You can plant a seed oh, yeah. right now. We're and planting our a, garden right now. Within a few, a few weeks, a few months, you can start getting something from that. Yeah. But you go plant a tree, you're it's not, for a while. you're not going to climb that tree. No. And, I mean, at our age, yeah. I'm not going to plant a seed of a tree and climb that tree. My kids might, their kids could, their kids' kids will. Yeah. But what is that tree going to produce? That produ the, when I think of that type of, I want to plant a forest that people can enjoy. I'll never see it if it's with the seed. Yeah. 
my kids will see some of it. But it's like the generations and generations and generations. But the seed I'm planting, does it give vision for my kids? Does it give vision for my kids' kids? Do the people three, four, eight, ten generations reap and learn from the seed sown? Does it create vision for them to now go and do something similar? I don't want, like I said, I don't want my life to end thinking right. about what have I done. I want my life to actually, when my life ends, I want it to be really a big part of the beginning of what God's doing. Because I don't want to see just my life fulfilled. I want to see my life, everyone around me currently. That's great. That's still not very generational. I want my kids and my kids' kids and my kids' kids. I, I want 50 generations from now for them to be telling stories. Your great, 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 great grandfather started something in this family that we're reaping the benefit from. I love it. Which, when it all comes down to it, that's what Jesus did. Exactly. When he died, he sowed his seed, and we're still reaping 2,000 years later yeah. everything he did yep. constantly. And you're joining in that by what you're talking about now. Like not, not getting our eyes off the past, getting our minds out of agreement with the enemy, mm -hmm. back into agreement with, with God, with the cross, with the love of God, and then making, living a life now that will go on just like his. And you had said it earlier, like, those things that challenging us to look differently, the people in our lives, the pushing away the things that actually, when you push those things away, you, you confine your ability to see generationally. The more of what God's promises are in your worship time, in your prayer time, in the word itself, with the people that he's put in your life, the more you push those things away, the more you start to look inward and only see what your life can produce. It's in the word. It's in prayer. It's in worship. It's with those people that are calling you high, higher, farther, that are actually shaving off the rough edges. That's when you begin to see farther than yourself because the fullness of God is so eternal, can we think that way? Not if we push all of his influence away. Yeah. The word of God itself inspires me to think outside of myself. Yeah. It has to. I know. Because that's the fulfillment of God. Yeah. I love it, man. It's so good. good. That's what, uh, that's a quick little snippet <laughs> of a lot of other things Eddie talked about. <laughs> I know this message was a blessing to me. I, I just took tons of notes. I was challenged to to think differently and to think further and to to get Jesus what he <laughs> sowed and then sow my life so that other people can get what I've sowed as well. It was really good. Um, thanks for sharing it. Thank you so much. I'm glad that you did that. I think part of this was like, you're calling all the men. Like, yeah. come on, men. This is, this is where we're going to go. It was so strong. And um, if you're a guy that's watching this and you're a part of Bethel, Come and join the men's ministry. Yeah. It's not too late. It just began. And uh, this is the stuff we're That's talking right. about. This is the stuff we're going for. This is the stuff we're doing is surrounding ourselves with people, with the word, mm -hmm. with worship, so that we can live this way for our families. But it's not just the men. It's obviously everyone. But you were targeting yeah. the men. There's something significant about men leading. Yep. And it's, it's awesome. So... <laughs> Eddie, thanks for joining us. Thank you so Anything much. you'd like to say before we wrap up? One more thing. I or? just want to encourage you. You know, these messages are a great time for us to share our hearts, cast vision, challenge all of us. 
go back, watch this message, yeah. watch other messages, and really don't just let them be words and things that you hear. Let them be seeds and deposits in your life to create change, to create a challenge in you, to be the fullness of what God's called you to be. I'm just blessed to be a part of this family in this house, in this city, and excited for what God's going to do. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. And as always, BethelATX.com, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube is where we are. You can follow along with us in your journey and our journey. And we love you guys. See you soon. God bless you.